Hello, everybody, and welcome to 30 Minute Thrive, your go-to podcast for anything and everything HR, powered by MRA, the Management Association. Looking to stay on top of the ever-changing world of HR? MRA has got you covered. We'll be the first to tell you what's hot and what's not. I'm your host, Sophie Voller, and we are so glad you're here. Now it's time to thrive. Well, hello, everybody, and thanks for joining us today. In this episode specifically, we're going to be talking about cutting edge HR trends with MRA HR business partner, Carrie Wozniak. From optimizing employee experiences to balancing tech with humanity, we'll give you advice on how HR can navigate challenges like hybrid teams and sustainability, while also implementing innovative recruitment and leadership development strategies to really shape the the workplace of the future. So Carrie, I know you, you really work directly with a lot of our member companies and you've been in HR for over 20 years, I think. So you've really seen it all when it comes to HR trends and challenges. So I'm excited to have the opportunity to really sit down and talk with you on what you're currently seeing HR trend wise. Um, So thanks again for being here today. I'm excited. Thanks, Sophie. I'm excited to be here too. Well, just kind of kicking kicking it off, um, employee experience is often cited as a critical factor in organizational success. So how are HR professionals really working to enhance and optimize the overall employee journey with their companies? Sure. You know, it, this is an ongoing um, area of concern and has been for for, for quite a while for, for HR um, as as everyone is aware we've been involved in a, a labor shortage for quite a while. It's not expected to, to change anytime soon um, as, you know, birth rates are low and generational changes and all that stuff's kind of coming through. So the employee experience becomes critical to attracting and retaining your talent. Um, so some just key things to think about is you really need to be listening to your employees. You know, it's okay to read the articles out there, listen to trends, you know, pay attention to what's going on in, in the world because that will help, um, guide you in the right direction, but but your teams and your environment is going to be a little bit different than anywhere else. So you want to make sure that you're, you have frequent and targeted feedback loops with your employees. So think about things like pulse surveys, small group listening sessions, stay interviews, things like that, so that you understand why people stay and why people leave. And you can address those um, to make sure that you have the right employee experience. You also want to make sure that you're starting small and implementing quickly. Uh, we just don't have the time anymore to plan for a year and then take a long time to implement and have the perfect programs. Um, instead, we need to look at these things as continuous improvement. Um, pick a few things that you can implement quickly that will have an impact on your team um, and, and move those over the finish line so that you actually see the impact of those. And then, of course, circling back with your employees, making sure that did you actually hit the mark? Is this what they wanted? Um, so that's general guidelines on, on how to tackle things, but some actual specific ideas here are um, communication tools. So you need to make sure that you are communicating with your employees through the channels they actually use. Um, you know, we are so used to using email, newsletters, even home mailings that are, are now pretty old school um, versions. You still need those because you have a lot of people who are comfortable with them. Um, but now you need to be looking at Are you texting your employees? Are you recording video messages? Are you utilizing instant messaging? What about like communication apps like Slack? Things like that. You need to make sure that you're communicating with your teams in in, in as scary as it is in all of these places or at least in a select few um, and that you're having that same consistent message regardless of where you're communicating because you want them all to hear the same things. 
um, but where they're actually going to go, where they're going to go use it. Um, and in that you're considering your generations, you're considering learning and communication styles, and then what technology is actually available to the individual. Um, you know, your manufacturing employees don't necessarily have the same access that your office team has. So how are you making sure that they're still getting the messages that you need to have them out there? Um, and time is always an issue. <laughs> um, so don't overwhelm your communications team with a million different things to focus on. Um, you know, make sure it's a sustainable process and that you're automating where you can. Mm -hmm. um, so some other things beyond communication kind of tools is you wanna make sure you're integrating and simplifying your technology tools. Um, again, the more things you have, the more you gotta manage. Um, so looking at fewer sources of truth or, or better aggregated tools to be able to pull your information. Um, think about the, the consumer experience your employees are used to when they're at home, right? They're using Alexa, Siri, Google, in order to get the information they need to do their personal work in seconds. But then at, at work, we're going into different drives, different disparate systems. You got to remember where everything's housed and you know how you actually pull everything together. It's time consuming and it's frustrating. So how do you mirror that consumer experience at work um, that they're used to at home? Right. Absolutely. The lack right. of technology things. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I, I feel like just to add on that. The employee experience, it comes down to how well you can listen to your employees and implement the things that, you know, they want and that they're interested in. So I like that you highlighted that you don't always have to listen to the outside conversations that might be kind of pulling you in. It's really about what does your company value? What do your employees value? And something that might work for one person might not work for another. Exactly. So I'm glad that you highlighted Personalization, that. right? Like at the end yeah. of the day... Your employees want to know that you know them. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Great. Well, kind of moving on now into flexible work arrangements. That's been a key trend the past mm -hmm. couple of years now. Um, so how how is really HR addressing the challenges of managing hybrid teams then? And what strategies are being implemented to ensure collaboration and communication remain effective? Sure. So there's a couple different different things in there. So being flexible in the first place, creating those flexible work arrangements is going to be really, really important. You know, we're all we're hearing a lot about it's no longer about work-life balance, it's about work-life integration or fit. Um, and the concept there is it's not how do I fit my life around my job, it's how do I, how do I have meaningful work that's going to support the life that I want to have. Um, and, and while that seems like a nuance, it's a really important distinction um, because employees maybe don't want their whole identity to be what they do for, for a living anymore. Um, and everybody has different challenges, whether it's the raising children, if they've got aging parents, if they've got just hobbies or you know desires to travel the world or whatever those things are, they want to figure out how to balance that while providing... Um, the opportunity to be a professional to contribute in, in, in different ways. Um, so to me, one of the key things that employers need to do is it be creative. We can't just sit there and look at, well, everybody has to work nine to five um, in an office and do things exactly the way that we've historically used it. Um, you know, the pandemic, now that we always want to bring that up, but it just changed um, people's expectations and um, how they can, how they know they can get work done. So, so whether it's remote, hybrid, um, so where you actually do work, but there's also the actual schedule itself. So 
Can I work maybe four tens? Can I work long hours on weekends or even a combination of those things? Is it more, I just need to get my work done. When I get it done, maybe matters a little bit less. Um, you can even look at hiring people into job sharing um, kind of situations where maybe you're hiring two part-time people to accomplish the tasks of one full-time job. Um, a lot of companies are starting to use contractors and consultants, kind of this gig concept, like I, I have a project, I'm going to pick that up, I'm going to work on it. So if you're employing people in these, these new ways, it's not all just full-time Monday through Friday kind of employees, then you've got to figure out how do you, how do you communicate amongst all these different schedules? How do you ensure that people feel like a part of a team? Um, and that especially you hear it on the weekends and, and like night shifts and things like that, they kind of don't feel like they're part of the team anymore. So, so a key is actually pulling people together in collaborative and, communi and, and strong communication ways. So with a focus on actually getting to know each other, having that social connection um, while you're still being productive. Um, so can you hold your team meetings in person? Maybe you have core hours that everybody has to be there on Wednesdays from, from 10 to 2. But other than that, we can kind of work around it. Um, but in those times when you're having people um, in these more collaborative work environments, make sure it's fun. Make it worth driving into the office when if I could have just done my meeting on Zoom at home anyway, why did I drive 45 minutes into the office today? Um, so make sure it's worthwhile that they're having that those connections. And it's not always just work. Like some of it's getting to know your team, um, having just that time to talk um, so that they can work better on other things outside of those meetings too. Um, so I, I think it's just really important that there is that environment when you're together, um, that you're having fun, you're still getting things done, um, and and you're building that, that team environment. No, absolutely. I love all those ideas, Carrie. And we talk a lot with Jim Morgan. You mentioned the generational differences, mm -hmm. even with flexible work arrangements. Um, he brings up a lot of ideas and even challenges with with generations and working flexible hours. I know sometimes we talk about, he's like, why are you emailing me at 2 a.m.? And it's like, hey, that might work for me and it might not work for you. But if the employer and if HR can understand that, not everybody is the same. Mm -hmm. um, I think that will, I don't know, it just helps create kind of that more cohesive team, even if right. everyone's not working the same nine to five, like you mentioned. Right. Well, and what you get with employers, I think the, the resistance comes from we've never really learned how to manage people that way. You know, historically, um, I, I kind of call it button seat management, which is maybe not the best term, but um, we're so used to like, I see you. I see you working on your computer. You're actively engaged in a meeting. I can tell that you're doing your job when you're not in front of me, when I can't actually see the work that well, not that you're even seeing an output in that scenario, but you know, when I can't see that you're working, then people question, well, maybe they're doing something else. And then there starts to be this little bit of, of distrust. Um, we need to change our, our management styles to focusing on outcomes instead. So it's not as much about how many hours I worked or when I worked or, you know, whether or not you, you went through a hundred emails today or, you know, all of that. It's, I need to produce this result. So is it, am I doing something of quality? Is, is it effective? Um, and am I having a positive impact on my team? You know, those are things we need to start measuring, but they're harder. They're just because a lot of jobs, 
they don't make widgets. You know, it's not that I'm going to produce 30 of these things an hour. So how mm-hmm. can I say I have strong output in, in what I'm doing? So managers and, and HR need to take a step back in these um, and evaluate the roles. How do I manage these, these positions effectively so that I'm not questioning whether or not they're actually doing their job? Mm-hmm. Um, the right thing, you know, the right thing is, is what I produce, not how long it takes me to produce and where I do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a great point. Um, Carrie, we're also in the age of social media and increased transparency. So I'm curious, how is employer branding evolving then with that in mind? In what role does HR really play in shaping and promoting a positive employer brand and culture? Sure. Um, a lot of this goes back to that employee experience that we talked about as the first question. Um, this is now your content for your employer brand, right? Like, when you're asking the questions of your team of what they want, then when you actually put programs in place, when things are effective, then that's what you need to do and, and tell tell the outside world about it um, and remind your your current employees when you're doing those things and what the benefits of, of having them are. Um, so making sure that you're telling people the things that you're working on um, and, and getting that out there. But you need to also make sure that the employer brand rings true to what your environment actually is. Um, I think uh, historically marketing would put together this really professional and, you know, buttoned up program that made everything look perfect. Um, we're, we're seeing now instead that employers are taking their phones out and they're recording things just as as much more casual, but it's more real. Um, and I think the candidates today and employees are, they connect to that because they know that things aren't always produced. And it's not that everyone's always beautiful and an actress and you know, all these things. Um, instead, I want to see my coworker wearing their uniform, actually working on a piece of equipment, talking about what their day is. Um, this comes in um, as what recruiters always refer to as the realistic job preview. You know, you want to know if you're coming into an organization, what you're actually going to experience, not just what your um, leadership wants people to to see. Um, so being very, very honest about it, making sure that um, what you're putting out um, about your employer brand, whether it's on social media, whether it's just through word of mouth, um, that it actually matches what your organization does. So that when someone comes into the organization, they can go, okay, this is what I thought I was getting into. Um, and there's fun ways to do that, especially small businesses. I think they they tend to think they need a full marketing team to to build this out. Um, you can put little notes out about employee promotions or, you know, new hires and anniversaries. You can talk about your long-term employees and, you know, what is their career path kind of been throughout um, the time they've been there. Or, you you know, you brought in pizza, post it. That's okay. <laughs> um, those are truly things that you're doing as an organization. Um, but then try to encourage people to do more. Like if you do volunteer days, can we post about those? If there's um, training that's been received with, you know, maybe you sent somebody to MRA and they got certified, put that out there too, because these are things showing how you're actually supporting your employees in in real life. No, absolutely. Those are all great examples too. And I, I like the pulling out your phone and just taking a casual video. I feel like I've heard that so much recently. And um I think Amanda Mosteller, one of our learning and development instructors, called it like the TikTok era where you just do a quick 30-second video, kind of showcase who you are, what the brand is. Um, And I had a funny story about that. Our marketing team was 
when we work on some project for, oh, like, should we, should we bring in the light? Should we bring in the cameras? Kind of like you said, the full produce. And it's like, no, just take out your phone, record, record it selfie style. That's what everyone wants to see. And like you said, it's very relatable and it may or may not be a generational thing. Um, as in, I think the younger generation is used to seeing that stuff mm -hmm. all over. Um, and maybe that's something that um, the more seasoned professionals have to get, you know, used to that style. But I definitely agree that that's, that's where branding and kind of digital content is going is the more relatable content. Yeah. Um, and I think while it is generational from the standpoint of expecting it, yeah. um, I think all the generations kind of recognize that it feels more accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you know that it's like okay, that actually probably happened. Right, <laughs> they didn't spend a hundred thousand dollars to produce this video, you know, and the questions exactly. that can come behind that messaging. Um, so I, I think it is a, um, it's more about being transparent mm -hmm. with who you are as an organization, and I think there's tools to make that easier to do. Um, and actually, just as I'm saying the word transparent, um, the other thing that is really important with employer brands and HR knows this is is your pay. Pay transparency is is really, really important. It's it's coming. If it's not already in your state, it's coming. <laughs> um, you know, the legislation's there. Candidates expect it. Um, we got to stop trying to pretend it's something nobody talks about um, and, and start being more upfront about it. And so how do you wrap that into your employer brand? Um, you know, we, we can't necessarily be the top payers and with all the best benefits, you know, you have to balance your, your dollars, um, but you can talk about what's key. You know, do you have incentive compensation that helps you stand out? Do you, um, you know, maybe you are paying at the higher higher level or you have some special employee benefits. You know, your total rewards is is a is a balancing act, but make sure that you're talking about that. Um and and that you're just you're being upfront about what you believe the job is worth. Um because then you're gonna get the people to apply who um who also think that's what the job's worth. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, so just continuing with the digital digital train here with the rise of automation and AI. How is HR really balancing technology adoption with the human touch and managing talent and fostering a positive workplace culture? I feel like this has been a big challenge for a lot of people recently. <laughs> well, it's so new and it's in, I mean, well, I guess it's not new. Yeah, I grew up in the 90s <laughs> and we're watching the Terminator, right? Like, I mean, you, you expected it to come. Um, and, and now it's a question of what does it mean in reality and not in science fiction? Um, and so every business function, including HR, is, is grappling with this at some some level. Um, I think the most important thing that HR needs to get out in front of this on is to remind employees and themselves, AI is not replacing you. There is still another job on the other side of it, no different than um, and in the Industrial Revolution when we started seeing machines come into manufacturing. We didn't stop hiring people because the machines were there. Now we just needed a different skill set. Um, and so we got to make sure that that we're keeping people trained, that they're learning along the way so that they don't get left behind. Um, because again, the, the AI is not going to replace your job, but you not learning how to use it will make someone else replace your job, the person who actually does have that skill. Um, and so that's important for, for each of us as as professionals, you know, we're, we're employees too, um, but we need to stay in front of our employees and remind them that they're 
that jobs will exist. It just might not look tomorrow exactly the way that it looked today, but it never has. So that's not completely unheard of anyway. Um, but so we need to get in front of that. We need to communicate with them, you know, where we see AI coming into their particular roles um, and then take the time to build training um, and, and adoption um, tools to help them get there um, because it is going to be new for everybody. So let's just keep everybody moving at the same time. Um, things to think about on where AI um, probably should be coming into play is you're, you're trying to automate manual and repetitive processes, um, you know, that don't require creativity, strategic thinking, or what I think is important, an empathetic response, right? People need to do that. <laughs> um, but if the rules are already there and it's A plus B equals C, get people out of that. It's not worth their time. That's when you start to have the technology um, come, come into play to, to do that. Um, so for HR specifically, that might be answering questions on policies and benefit inquiries, like it's factual, um, being able to use a chat bot for something like that. Um, how do you how do you use systems and tools? You don't necessarily need to have somebody standing in front of them doing the training. How can you have effective training that that's there um, that they can utilize and, and access without the um, without taking up the time of an individual? Things like metrics and data reporting. I mean, should all be able to be set up, automated. Um, resume screening and interview coordination um, are hugely time consuming things. That again, as long as you define your factors. Um, can can very much be done um, by by a software, um, and then performance cycle administration, um, I think, is an area that can really get focused on with AI. Um, what's scaring people is the idea that performance management, actual management, might get in being used with AI. I don't see that happening for quite a long time because there is still that's the creativity and strategic thinking, um, and we'd have to have pretty pretty fancy uh, software to be able to get that right. Um, but that leads into HR has to be a gatekeeper of, if you want to call it algorithms, if you want to call it parameters, whatever the rules are um, that are being built, HR has to review those for bias. Mm -hmm. um, so you can't have your recruitment software picking your hires uh, because there is inherent bias in the data that we're using to, to automate this, um, the process in the first place. And we have to question it. We got to put polls on that. Um, same with compensation, career development, anything that is truly career and employment impacting, HR really needs to be reviewing what those rules are that are being put into the system um, and, and doing adverse impact analysis to make sure that we're not going to have whether conscious or unconscious bias come in because um, that's going to get you in legal trouble, but more importantly, it's unethical. Right. No, I'm I'm really glad you reiterated the point that AI is not going to get rid of your job and that we still need you. I feel like I've heard that um, in a lot of places and we've talked about it on a couple of podcasts. Um, but those are all great examples of where HR and just business overall can use AI and how you can kind of integrate it into your automated processes. So mm -hmm. you can focus on more of the strategic planning and processes. But the things you don't like to do because they're <laughs> boring. There you them. go. <laughs> there you go. And then you can focus on like the stuff that you actually really want to do, which is using your brain. Exactly. 
Well, the concept of agile HR is also gaining popularity. So my question is, how are HR teams embracing agility to respond quickly to changing business needs and marketing market dynamics? Yeah, this is a, um, it, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but it's, it's changing your mindset from only implementing things when they're perfect to getting into an iterative continuous improvement process. Um, we, we just don't have time with how quickly things change to make sure everything is perfect. Um, we can't build a handbook, have it go sit on a shelf and five years from now, look at it again. <laughs> uh, you have to be pulling things out every six months, reviewing, making sure that there's minor tweaks and, and rolling things out. Um, I was looking up, you know, just some so my kind of concepts like technology is becoming obsolete in three to five years. So if it takes you six months to select a new HRS system and a year to implement it and six more months to optimize and get it really working for you, you're now ready to replace it again. Right. <laughs> so you need to be constantly changing and tweaking and adjusting. Um, and that is going to to be the case for, for not just your technology tools, not just your HR resources, but really anything that you're touching in support of the business. So when you're talking about career career development, maybe you're creating career ladders to, to retain people. You can't just build the program and come back to it a couple of years later and, and expect that it has been working the whole time. So roll something out, 80% mm -hmm. good. <laughs> learn, you know, from that and then make adjustments, you know, and, and be transparent with your employees. Be like, hey, we tried it. We found something that didn't work. So now we're going to adjust um, and, and try to make it better. Um, so that's necessary with just about everything. When, you know, regulations keep changing, your employees and candidates' expectations are changing so rapidly. We're just in a, in a world where um, the iterations are coming so much faster that you have to... Um, you just have to keep adjusting along the way and, and don't worry about perfection. Um, and then, of course, we, the AI stuff, automate where you can um, so that you don't have to spend your time on administrative tasks and you can focus more on, on these things that need to keep changing in response to needs your business. Um, and then I would say, and celebrate wins because we kind of forget that step. <laughs> like we keep, there's burnout, all that stuff kind of comes because everything is coming so quickly. Um, so when you do implement something, remember to celebrate it, um, say thank you, remind people that it's happened so that they see the, the work and effort that's happening. Um, take a little bit of a breath before you move on to, to that next project. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's great advice. Um, kind of moving the conversation to a little different topic here. Um, how is HR addressing the growing importance of sustainability and corporate social responsibility in shaping workplace values and practices? I think this is something our listeners are very um, curious on and they kind of want to want to know more about this topic. So I'm excited on this question. Yeah, it's 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 very different um, now than I'll say when when I started my career, I would say even, you know, probably even five or 10 years ago, and people were talking about corporate responsibility. Um, but it was more like, don't be a bad player. <laughs> you know, don't don't have the, um, you know, the environmental protection agency coming in and you know, like doing something from a legislative standpoint. Now it's, it's more about aligning your organizational values with your business process. 
Um, so if you go out on, you know, many, many company websites, they'll have their mission, vision and values. You see, you know, common things about integrity and ethics, um, you know, maybe environmental sustainability is, is listed out there. Um, but I think the, the most important thing um, is aligning that to, again, what, you, what you're actually doing. Um, so it's important to, to walk the talk. Um, so you want to make sure that you're integrating your business practices in um, in that that social responsibility that you're saying you you feel is important. So think about um, you know like maybe you need to review your supply chain um, contracts because you want to align with you know maybe you've got a a, a DEI and B program um, that you're very vocal about. You're putting out on your employer brand. Um, well, you can't sit there and say I'm in support of a particular group, but then never use them as your supply chain. So, you know, what are your criteria for selecting vendors? How do you bring that in from uh, from a social responsibility standpoint? Um, you know, looking at your manufacturing practices, it's great to sit there and say we will we we recycle, you know, reduce, reuse, um, recycle, but. What if your manufacturing practices are creating significant amounts of waste? You need to look at that process and, and find ways to, to have a direct impact. Um, you might want to implement a scholarship program that's in support of, you know, organizations or, or groups that you're um, providing support to. So, um, again, just that deeper integration that rings true to your organization. So um, it's not enough just to to post support out on social media or write a donation check. You need to align who you are as an organization, um, which you're, you're saying in your values, this is who you are with what you're actually doing. And so that's going to help with your, um, your employees will see that it'll gain trust with them. Um, candidates where this is important to them, um, they'll be attracted to your organization because it aligns with their values. And I mean, that's the perfect scenario is if you can, recruit people who believe what you believe they're going to fit your culture they're going to they're going to um they're going to stick with you too because there's more to the relationship than a paycheck um instead they feel good about what they're doing um so so a, a couple common areas because i think people question you know what does it all mean you know what's the definition of this some common areas that organizations are um considering under that social responsibility kind of umbrella is, as I mentioned, the diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging activities, environmental sustainability, fair trade. Um, you know, again, do, do you want to buy from vendors in potentially third world countries that are not paying people effectively um, or sustainable wages? Um, and then responsible labor practices within your own your own environment within anybody that you're doing business with. Um, so those are things to, to measure um, as well as make sure that you're considering when you're making decisions as an organization. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Those are great examples. And I feel like a common one too is just volunteering. A lot of organizations say they value volunteering, but then it's like, do you give your employees volunteer opportunities? Do you list it out kind of the start to finish thing? Like, do you follow up with them? How is their experience? How, how do they get involved in the community? Like you can't just stop at 25%. You gotta keep it going kind of thing. Yeah. There's some organizations and I won't name any, but um, very recognizable that you see out in the world wearing their volunteer t-shirts and you see them at events all over the place. And so you know that that's really something that that organization takes seriously. Right, right. 
Well, just kind of wrapping up here today, one more question for you. Um, leadership development is obviously crucial for organizational growth. So what initiatives are HR departments implementing to identify and nurture leadership talent within the organization? This is a, a really key area for me, and I, I feel like we don't spend quite enough time and energy on this um, in, in in actual practice. Um, you know, so often we promote the best individual contributor into running a department, um, but we haven't necessarily stepped back and said, are they a leader? Are they somebody that people go to naturally? Um, when you know, when when the manager's in a meeting, who do they actually reach out amongst their team members to get support and help? Um, so first, I think your selection process, <laughs> um, it needs to definitely be evaluated a little bit more. Um, and, and you need to make sure those individual contributors can still grow without becoming managers because not every person should become a leader. Um, but then another aspect of, of leadership development for me is actually the job evaluation um, of our frontline and mid-level managers. Um, we have a lot going on in these positions. There's high, high expectations of them, um, and they don't always have the time and resources to be able to actually do the job effectively. So um, it's a really common pressure point. And what I mean by that is senior leadership has expectations of, of goals and initiatives and growth plans that need to be executed on by, by these team members. And, and now we're seeing employee expectations and the employee experience has increased a lot of what they expect out of their frontline manager. Um, you know, they're expecting that um, their managers, one, know them as individuals, that they adjust their leadership style to them, um, that they're helping them develop in their careers, that they're um, representing the organization on a day-to-day -day basis, strong communication, regular feedback. You know, there, there's just a, there's a lot that's being expected at that. Um, and then these roles commonly have extremely high spans of control. So you see, it's not uncommon to see a supervisor have 20 to 30 direct reports. Um, if you expect them to know their employees on an individual basis and provide a strong employee experience while also meeting the strategic goals and needs of the organization, probably need to take a look at the span of control because that's probably not a realistic ask. Um, and they also have a lot of administrative work, whether it's time cards and performance reviews and just all these tools and resources that they have to do on an ongoing basis. Um, so I think it's really important um, that we, especially as HR, take a step back and, and look at whether it's a program we're implementing, what's the impact on them, but also are we really designing the jobs in a way that's going to make them successful? Um, so that's a, it's just a, I don't know, it's a key area for me is, is making sure that they're, they're spending that time. Um, especially given we know that direct managers are a key reason why employees stay or leave an organization. So if we don't provide the support to those specific um, individuals, um, how are we really long-term impacting our ability to, to get the right talent in the organization? Um, so it's so like I said, we need to make sure that we're focusing on evaluating the, what those job responsibilities are how many direct reports they might have, what's the um, the individual contributor tasks we ask of them too, because oftentimes they're also expected to be a producer on top of being um, the, the manager of a very large team, um, that you might need to provide administrative support to them or AI automation tools or something to make their jobs a little bit easier. Um, and then being 
clear on training them on the skill sets that they need to do their job well and providing very clear expectations of what they're responsible for so that they can be successful. And of course, MRA can you know help with the training and the development and um, even the, the job evaluations if that's something that, that people are interested in. But um, I, I do think it's important. We, we very often look at our senior leaders and we're looking a lot at our individual contributors these days, but this group in the middle gets kind of forgotten. Well, I think that's a great place to close out on a great conversation <clears throat> today. So Carrie, I want to thank you for for your expertise and in, in sharing that and sharing the trends that you've been seeing in HR currently. Um, but to our listeners, I want to thank you also for tuning in. Um, like Carrie mentioned, we have resources linked in the show notes, so make sure to check those out today. Um, or you can find them at mranet.org. We also have Carrie's LinkedIn profile linked in the show notes. So if you'd like to connect with her or ask her any follow-up questions, um, be sure to connect with Carrie. I'm sure she'd be happy to do that. Um, Carrie, again, thank you for joining me today. And to our listeners, we will see you next week. And that wraps up our content for this episode. Be sure to reference the show notes where you can sign up to connect for more podcast updates. Check out other MRA episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And as always, make sure to follow MRA's 30-Minute Thrive so you don't miss out. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next Wednesday to carry on the HR conversation.